Chapter 11 of Spinning Wheel Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Spinning Wheel Stories by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter 11 The Cooking Class. A young girl in a little cap and a big apron sat poring over a cookbook with a face full of the deepest anxiety. She had the kitchen to herself, for Mamma was out for the day. Cook was off duty, and Edith could mess to her heart's content. She belonged to a cooking class, the members of which were to have lunch at 2pm, with the girl next door. And now, the all-absorbing question was, what to make? Turning the pages of the well-used book, she talked to herself as the various receipts met her eye. Lobster salad and chicken croquettes I've had and neither were very good. Now I want to distinguish myself by something very nice. I'd try a meat porcupine or a mutton duck if there was time, but they are fussy and ought to be rehearsed before given to the class. Bavarian cream needs berries and whipped cream, and I won't tire my arms beating eggs. Apricots à la neige is an easy thing and wholesome, but the girls won't like it, I know, as well as some rich thing that will make them ill, as Carrie's plum pudding did. A little meat dish is best for lunch, i try sweetbreads and bacon if I didn't hate to burn my face and scent my clothes frying. Birds are elegant. Let me see if I can do larded grouse. No, I don't like to touch that cold fat stuff. How mortified Ella was when she had birds on toast and forgot to draw them. I shouldn't make such a blunder as that, I do hope. Potted pigeons, the very thing. Had that in our last lesson, but the girls are all crazy about puff paste, so they won't try pigeons. Why didn't I think of it at once? for we've got them in the house and don't want them today, Mamma being called away. Already too so nice. I do detest to pick and clean birds. Simmer from one to three hours. Plenty of time. I'll do it, I'll do it. La la la. And away skipped Edith in high spirits, for she did not love to cook, yet wished to stand well with the class, some members of which were very ambitious, and now and then succeeded with an elaborate dish, more by good luck than skill. Six plump birds were laid out on a platter, with their legs folded in the most pathetic manner. These Edith bore away in triumph to the kitchen, and opening the book before her, went to work energetically, resigning herself to frying the pork and cutting up the onion, which she had overlooked when hastily reading the receipt. In time they were stuffed, the legs tied down to the tails, the birds browned in the stew pan, and put to simmer with a pinch of herbs. Now I can clear up and rest a bit. If I ever have to work for a living, I won't be a cook, said Edith, with a sigh of weariness as she washed her dishes, wondering how there could be so many. For no careless Irish girl would have made a greater clutter over this small job than the young lady who had not yet learned one of the most important things that a cook should know. The bell rang just as she got done, and was planning to lie and rest on the dining-room sofa till it was time to take up her pigeons. Tell whoever it is that I am engaged she whispered as the maid passed on her way to the door. It's your cousin, miss, from the country, and she has a trunk with her. Of course she's to come in, asked Maria, coming back in a moment. Oh, dear me, I forgot all about Patty. Mamma said any day this week, and this is the most inconvenient one of the seven. Of course she must come in. Go and tell her I'll be there in a minute, answered Edith, too well-bred not to give an unwelcome guest a kindly greeting. Whisking off cap and apron, and taking a last look at the birds, just beginning to send forth a savoury steam, she went to meet her cousin. Patty was a rosy country lass of sixteen, plainly dressed and rather shy, but a sweet, sensible little body, 
with a fresh rustic air which marked her for a field flower at once how do you do dear so sorry mamma is away called to a sick friend in a hurry but i'm here and glad to see you i've an engagement at two and you shall go with me it's only a lunch close by just a party of girls i'll tell you about it upstairs chatting away edith led patty up to the pretty room ready for her and soon both were laughing over a lively account of the exploits of the cooking class suddenly in the midst of the cream pie which had been her great success and nearly the death of all who partook thereof edith paused sniffed the air like a hound and crying tragically they are burning they are burning rushed downstairs as if the house was on fire much alarmed patty hurried after her guided to the kitchen by the sound of lamentation there she found edith hanging over a stewpan with anguish in her face and despair in her voice as she breathlessly explained the cause of her flight my pigeons are they burnt do smell and tell me after all my trouble i shall be heartbroken if they are spoilt both pretty noses sniffed and sniffed again as the girls bent over the pan regardless of the steam which was ruining their crimps and reddening their noses reluctantly patty owned that a slight flavour of scorch did pervade the air but suggested that a touch more seasoning would conceal the sad fact i'll try it did you ever do any do you love to cook don't you want to make something to carry it would please the girls and make up for my burnt mess said edith as she skimmed the broth and added pepper and salt with a lavish hand i don't know anything about pigeons except to feed and pet them we don't eat ours i can cook plain dishes and make all kinds of bread would biscuit or tea-cake do patty looked so pleased at the idea of contributing to the feast that edith could not bear to tell her that a hot biscuit and tea-cake were not just the thing for a city lunch she accepted the offer and patty fell to work so neatly and skilfully that by the time the pigeons were done two pans full of delicious little biscuit were baked and folded in a nice napkin lay ready to carry off in the porcelain plate with a wreath of roses painted on it in spite of all her flavouring the burnt odour and taste still lingered around edith's dish but fondly hoping no one would perceive it she dressed hastily gave patty a touch here and there and set forth at the appointed time to augusta's lunch six girls belonged to this class and the rule was for each to bring her contribution and set it on the table prepared to receive them all then when the number was complete the covers were raised the dishes examined eaten if possible and pronounced upon the prize being awarded to the best the girl at whose house the lunch was given provided the prize and they were often both pretty and valuable on this occasion a splendid bouquet of jacqueminot roses in a lovely vase ornamented the middle of the table and the eyes of all rested admiringly upon it as the seven girls gathered round after depositing their dishes patty had been kindly welcomed and soon forgot her shyness in wonder at the handsome dresses graceful manners and lively gossip of the girls a pleasant merry set all wearing the uniform of the class dainty white aprons and coquettish caps with many-coloured ribbons like stage maid-servants at the sound of a silver bell each took her place before the covered dish which bore her name and when augusta said ladies we will begin off went napkins silver covers white paper or whatever hid the contribution from longing eyes a moment of deep silence while quick glances took in the prospect and then a unanimous explosion of laughter followed for six platters of potted pigeons stood upon the board with nothing but the flowers to break the ludicrous monotony of the scene how they laughed for a time they could do nothing else because if one tried to explain she broke down and joined in the gale of merriment again quite helplessly one or two got hysterical and cried as well as laughed 
and all made such a noise that Augusta's mamma peeped in to see what was the matter. Six agitated hands pointed to the comical sight on the table, which looked as if a flight of potted pigeons had alighted there, and six breathless voices cried in a chorus, "'Isn't it funny? Don't tell!' Much amused, the good lady retired to enjoy the joke alone, while the exhausted girls wiped their eyes and began to talk all at once. Such a clatter! But out of it all, Patty evolved the fact that each meant to surprise the rest, and they certainly had. "'I tried puff paste,' said Augusta, fanning her hot face. "'So did I,' cried the others, and it was a dead failure. "'So was mine,' echoed the voices. "'Then I thought I'd do the other dish we had that day. "'Just what I did. "'Feeling sure you would all try the pastry and perhaps get on better than I. "'Exactly our case,' and a fresh laugh ended this general confession. "'Now we must eat our pigeons, as we have nothing else. "'And it isn't against the rule to add from outside stores.' I propose that we each pass our dish round, then we can all criticise it, and so get some good out of this very funny lunch. Augusta's plan was carried out, and all being hungry after their unusual exertions, the girls fell upon the unfortunate birds, like so many famished creatures. The first one went very well, but when the dishes were passed again, each taster looked at it anxiously, for none were very good. There was nothing to fall back upon, and variety is the spice of life, as everyone knows. Oh, for a slice of bread, sighed one damsel. Why didn't we think of it? asked another. I did, but we always have so much cake, I thought it was foolish to lay in rolls, exclaimed Augusta, rather mortified at the neglect. I expected to have to taste six pies, and one doesn't want bread with pastry, you know. As Edith spoke, she suddenly remembered Patty's biscuit, which had been left on the side-table by their modest maker, as there seemed to be no room for them. Rejoicing now over the rather despised dish, Edith ran to get it, saying as she set it in the middle with a flourish, My cousin's contribution. She came so late we only had time for that. So glad I took the liberty of bringing her and them. A murmur of welcome greeted the much-desired addition to the feast, which would have been a decided failure without it and the pretty plate went briskly round, till nothing was left but the painted roses in it. With this help, the best of the potted pigeons were eaten, while a lively discussion went on about what they would have next time. Let us each tell our dish and not change. We shall never learn if we don't keep to one thing till we do it well. I will choose mince pie and bring a good one, if it takes me all week to do it, said Edith, heroically taking the hardest thing she could think of to encourage the others. Fired by this noble example, each girl pleaded herself to do or die, and a fine list of rich dishes was made out by these ambitious young cooks. Then a vote of thanks to Patty was passed, her biscuit unanimously pronounced the most successful contribution, and the vase presented to the delighted girl, whose blushes were nearly as deep as the colour of the flowers behind which she tried to hide them. Soon after this ceremony the party broke up, and Edith went home to tell the merry story, proudly adding that the country cousin had won the prize. You rash child! To undertake mince pie, it is one of the hardest things to make, and about the most unwholesome when eaten. Read the receipt and see what you have pledged yourself to do, my dear, said her mother, much amused at the haps and mishaps of the cooking class. Edith opened her book and started bravely off at puff paste, but by the time she had come to the end of the three pages, devoted to directions for the making of the indigestible delicacy. Her face was very sober, and when she read aloud the following receipt for the mincemeat, despair slowly settled upon her like a cloud. One cup chopped meat, one and a half cups of raisins, 
one and a half cups of currants, one and a half cups of brown sugar, one and one third cups of molasses, three cups of chopped apples, one cup of meat liquor, two teaspoonfuls of salt, two teaspoonfuls of cinnamon, half a teaspoonful of mace, half a teaspoonful of powdered cloves, one lemon grated, quarter of a piece of citron sliced, half a cup of brandy, quarter of a cup of wine, three teaspoonfuls of rose water. Oh me, what a job! I shall have to work at it every day till next Saturday, for the paste alone will take all the wits I've got. I was rash, but I spoke without thinking, and wanted to do something really fine. We can't be shown about things, so I must blunder along as well as I can, groaned Edith. I can help about the measuring and weighing and chopping. I always help Mother at Thanksgiving time, and she makes splendid pies. We only have mince then, as she thinks it's bad for us, said Patty, full of sympathy and goodwill. What are you to take to the lunch? asked Edith's mother, smiling at her daughter's mournful face, bent over the fatal book full of dainty messes that tempted the unwary learner to her doom. Only coffee. I can't make fancy things, but my coffee is always good. They said they wanted it, so I offered. I will have my pills and powders ready, for if you all go on at this rate, you will need a dose of some sort after your lunch. Give your orders, Edith, and devote your mind to the task. I wish you good luck and good digestion, my dears. With that, the mamma left the girls to cheer one another, and lay plans for a daily lesson till the perfect pie was made. They certainly did their best, for they began on Monday, and each morning through the week went to the mighty task with daily increasing courage and skill. They certainly needed the former, for even good-natured Nancy got tired of having the young ladies messing round so much, and looked cross as the girls appeared in the kitchen. Edith's brothers laughed at the various failures which appeared at table, and dear Mamma was tired of tasting pastry and mincemeat in all stages of progression. But the undaunted damsels kept on till Saturday came, and a very superior pie stood ready to be offered for the inspection of the class. "'I never want to see another,' said Edith, as the girls dressed together, weary but well satisfied with their labour, for the pie had been praised by all beholders, and the fragrance of Patty's coffee filled the house, as it stood ready to be poured hot and clear into the best silver pot at the last moment. "'Well, I feel as if I've lived in a spice mill this week, or a pastry cook's kitchen, and I am glad we are done.' "'Your brothers won't get any pie for a long while, I guess, if it depends on you,' laughed Patty, putting on the new ribbons her cousin had given her. "'When Florence's brothers were here last night, I heard those rascals making all sorts of fun of us, and Alf said we ought to let them come to lunch. I scorned the idea, and made their mouths water telling about the good things we were going to have,' said Edith, exulting over the severe marks she had made to those gluttonous young men, who adored pie, yet jeered at unfortunate cooks.' Florence, the lunch-giver of the week, had made her table pretty with a posy at each place, put the necessary roll in each artistically folded napkin, and hung the prize from the gas-burner, a large blue satin bag full of the most delicious bonbons money could buy. There was some delay about beginning, as one distracted cook sent word that her potato puffs wouldn't brown, and begged them to wait for her. So they adjourned to the parlour, and talked till the flushed but triumphant Ella arrived with the puffs in fine order. When all was ready and the covers raised, another surprise awaited them, not a merry one like the last, but a very serious affair, which produced domestic warfare in two houses at least. On each dish lay a card bearing a new name for these carefully prepared delicacies. The mince pie was rechristened Nightmare, veal cutlets dyspepsia, 
escalloped lobster, fits, lemon sherbet, colic, coffee, palpitation, and so on, even to the pretty sack of confectionery, which was labelled toothache. Great was the indignation of the insulted cooks, and a general cry of, who did it, arose. The poor maid who waited on them declared with tears that not a soul had been in, and she herself only absent five minutes getting the ice water. Florence felt that her guests had been outraged, and promised to find out the wretch, and punish him or her in the most terrible manner. So the irate young ladies ate their lunch before it cooled, but forgot to criticise the dishes. So full were they of wonder at this daring deed. They were just beginning to calm down, when a loud sneeze caused a general rush towards the sofa that stood in a recess of the dining-room. A small boy, nearly suffocated with suppressed laughter and dust, was dragged forth and put on trial without a moment's delay. Florence was judge, the other's jury, and the unhappy youth, being penned in a corner, was ordered to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, on penalty of a sound whipping with the big Japanese war fan that hung on the wall over his head. Vainly trying to suppress his giggles, Phil faced the seven ladies like a man, and told as little as possible, delighting to torment them like a true boy. Do you know who put those cars there? Don't you wish you did? Phil Gordon answer at once. Yes, I do. Was it Alf? He's at home Saturdays, and it's just like a horrid Harvard soft to plague us so. It was not. Did you see it done? I did. Man or woman? Mary fibs, and may have been bribed. Man, with a chuckle of great glee. Do I know him? Oh, don't you? Edith's brother Rex? No, ma'am. Do be a good boy and tell us. We won't scold, though it was a very, very rude thing to do. What will you give me? Do you need to be bribed to do your duty? Well, I guess it's no fun to hide in that stuffy place and smell nice grub and see you took away without offering a fellow a taste. Give me a good go at the lunch and I'll see what I can do for you. Boys are such pigs. Shall we, girls? Yes, we must know. Then go and stuff, you bad boy, but we shall stand guard over you till you tell us who wrote and put those insulting cards here. Florence let out the prisoner and stood by him while he ate, in a surprisingly short time, the best of everything on the table, well knowing that such a rare chance would not soon be his again. Now, give me some of that candy and I'll tell, demanded the young Shylock, bound to make the best of his power while it lasted. Did you ever see such a little torment? I can't give the nice bonbons, because we haven't decided who is to have them. Never mind, pick out a few and get rid of him, cried the girls, hovering round their prey and longing to shake the truth out of him. A handful of sweeties were reluctantly bestowed, and then all waited for the name of the evildoer with breathless interest. Well, began Phil, with exasperating slowness, Alf wrote the cards and gave me half a dollar to put em round. Made a nice thing of it, haven't I? And before one of the girls could catch him, he had bolted from the room, with one hand full of candy, the other of mince pie, and his face shining with the triumphant glee of a small boy who had teased seven big girls and got the better of them. What went on just after that is not recorded, though Phil peeped in at the windows, hooted through the slide, and beat a tattoo on the various doors. The opportune arrival of his mother sent him whooping down the street, and the distressed damsels finished their lunch with what appetite they could. Edith got the prize, for her pie was pronounced a grand success, and partaken of so copiously 
that several young ladies had reason to think it well named nightmare by the derisive alfred emboldened by her success edith invited them all to her house on the next saturday and suggested that she and her cousin provide the lunch as they had some new dishes to offer not down in the receipt book they had been studying all winter as the ardour of the young cooks was somewhat damped by various failures and the discovery that good cooking is an art not easily learned anything in the way of novelty was welcome and the girls gladly accepted the invitation feeling the sense of relief at the thought of not having any dish to worry about though not one of them owned that she was tired of messing as the disrespectful boys called it it was unanimously decided to wither with silent scorn the audacious alfred and his ally rex while phil was to be snubbed by his sister till he had begged pardon for his share of the evil deed then having sweetened their tongues and tempers with the delicious bonbons the girls departed feeling that the next lunch would be an event of unusual interest the idea of it originated in a dinner which patty got one day when nancy who wanted a holiday was unexpectedly called away to the funeral of a cousin the fifth relative who had died in a year such was the mortality in the jovial old creature's family edith's mother was very busy with a dressmaker and gladly accepted the offer the girls made to get dinner alone no fancy dishes if you please the boys come in as hungry as hunters and want a good solid meal so get something wholesome and plain and plenty of it was the much relieved lady's only suggestion as she retired to the sewing room and left the girls to keep house in their own way now edie you be the mistress and give your orders and i'll be cook only have things that go well together not all baked or all boiled because there isn't room enough on the range you know said patty putting on a big apron with an air of great satisfaction for she loved to cook and was tired of doing nothing i'll watch all you do and learn so that the next time nancy goes off in a hurry i can take her place and not have to give the boys what they hate a picked-up dinner answered edith pleased with her part yet a little mortified to find how few plain things she could make well what do the boys like asked patty longing to please them for they all were very kind to her roast beef and custard pudding with two or three kinds of vegetables can we do all that yes indeed i'll make the pudding right away and have it baked before the meat goes in i can cook as many vegetables as you please and soup too so the order was given and all went well if one might judge by the sounds of merriment in the kitchen patty made her best gingerbread and cooked some apples with sugar and spice for tea and at the stroke of two had a nice dinner smoking on the table to the great contentment of the hungry boys who did eat like hunters and advised mamma to send old nancy away and keep patty for cook which complimentary but rash proposal pleased their cousin very much now this is useful cookery and well done though it looks so simple any girl can learn how and be independent of servants if need be drop your class edith and take a few lessons off patty that would suit me better than french affairs that are neither economical nor wholesome i will mamma for i am tired of creaming butter larding things and beating eggs these dishes are not so elegant but we must have them so i may as well learn if pat will teach me with pleasure all i know mother thinks it a very important part of a girl's education for if you can't keep servants you can do your own work well and if you are rich you are not so dependent as an ignorant lady is all kinds of useful sewing and housework come first with us and the accomplishments afterwards as time and money allow the sort of thing turns out the kind of girl i like and so does every sensible fellow good luck to you cousin and my best thanks for a capital dinner and a wise little lecture for dessert 
Rex made his best bow as he left the table, and Patty coloured high with pleasure at the praise of the tall collegian. Out of this, and the talk the ladies had afterwards, grew the lunch which Edith proposed, and to the preparation of which went much thought and care, for the girls meant to have many samples of country fare, so that various tastes might be pleased. The plan gradually grew as they worked, and a little surprise was added, which was a great success. When Saturday came, the younger boys were all packed off for a holiday in the country, that the coast might be clear. No hiding under sofas in my house, no meddling with my dinner, if you please, gentlemen, said Edith, as she saw the small brothers safely off, and fell to work with Patty and the maid, to arrange the dining-room to suit the feast, about to be spread there. As antique furniture is the fashion nowadays, it was easy to collect all the old tables, chairs, china and ornaments in the house, and make a pleasant place of the sunny room, where a tall clock always stood, and damask hangings a century old added much to the effect. A massive mahogany table was set forth with ancient silver, glass, china, and all sorts of queer old salt cellars, pepper pots, pickle dishes, knives and spoons. High-backed chairs stood round it, and the guests were received by a very pretty old lady in plum-coloured satin with a muslin pelerine and a large lace cap most becoming to the rosy face it surrounded. A fat watch ticked in the wide belt, mitts covered the plump hands, and a reticule hung at the side. Madame's daughter, in a very short-waisted pink silk gown, muslin apron and frill, was even prettier than her mother, for her dark curly hair hung on her shoulders, and a little cap was stuck on the top, with long pink streamers. Her mitts went to the elbow, and a pink sash was tied in a large bow behind. Black satin shoes covered her feet, and a necklace of gold beads was round her throat. Great was the pleasure this little surprise gave the girls, and gay was the chatter that went on as they were welcomed by the hostesses, who constantly forgot their parts. Madame frisked now and then, and pretty Peggy was so anxious about the dinner that she was not as devoted to her company as a well-bred young lady should be. But no one minded, and when the bell rang, all gathered about the table, eager to see what the feast was to be. Ladies, we have endeavoured to give you a taste of some of the good old dishes rather out of fashion now, said Madame, standing at a place with a napkin pinned over the purple dress, and a twinkle in the blue eyes under the wide cap frills. We thought it would be well to introduce some of them to the class and to our family cooks, who either scorn the plain dishes or don't know how to cook them well. There is a variety, and we hope all will find something to enjoy. Peggy, uncover and let us begin. At first the girls looked a little disappointed, for the dishes were not very new to them, but when they tasted a real boiled dinner and found how good it was, also baked beans neither hard, greasy nor burnt, beefsteak tender, juicy and well flavoured, potatoes mealy in spite of the season, Indian pudding made as few modern cooks know how to do it, brown bread with homemade butter and pumpkin pie that cut like wedges of vegetable gold. They changed their minds and began to eat with appetites that would have destroyed their reputations as delicate young ladies if they had been seen. Tea in eggshell cups, election cake and cream cheese with fruit ended the dinner and as they sat admiring the tiny old spoons, the crisp cake and the little cheeses like snowballs, Edith said, in reply to various compliments paid her, Let us give honour where honour is due. Patty suggested this and did most of the cooking, so thank her and borrow her receipt book. It's very funny, ever so old, copied and tried by her grandmother, and full of directions for making quantities of nice things, from pie like this 
to a safe sure wash for the complexion may dew rose leaves and lavender doesn't that sound lovely let me copy it cried several girls afflicted with freckles or sallow with too much coffee and confectionery yes indeed but i was going to say as we have no prize to-day we have prepared a little souvenir of your old-fashioned dinner for each of you bring them daughter i hope the ladies will pardon the homeliness of the offering and make use of the hint that accompanies each as edith spoke with a comical mingling of the merry girl and the stately old lady she was trying to personate patty brought from the sideboard where it had stood covered up a silver salver on which lay five dainty little loaves of bread on the top of each appeared a receipt for making the same nicely written on coloured cards and held in place by a silver scarf pin how cunning what lovely pins i'll take the hint and learn to make good bread at once it smells as sweet as a nut and isn't hard or heavy a bit such a pretty idea and so clever of you to carry it out so well those remarks went on as the little loaves went round each girl finding her pin well suited to her pet fancy or foible for all were different and all very pretty whether the design was a palette a skate a pen a racket a fan a feather a bar of music or a daisy seeing that her dinner was a success in spite of its homeliness edith added the last surprise which had also been won to patty and herself when it arrived just in time to be carried out she forgot to be madame now and said with a full face of mingled merriment and satisfaction as she pushed her cap askew and pulled off her mitts girls the best joke of all is that rex and alf sent the pins and made phil bring them with a most humble apology for their impertinence last week a meeker boy i never saw and for that we may thank floy but i think the dinner pat and i got the other day won rex's heart so that he made alf eat humble pie in this agreeable manner we won't say anything about it all wear our pins and show the boys that we can forgive and forget as sweet girls should though we do cook and have ideas of our own beyond looking pretty and minding our older brothers we will cried the chorus with one voice and florence added i also propose that when we have learned to make something besides kickshaws as the boys call our fancy dishes we have a dinner like this and invite those rascals to it which will be heaping coals of fire on their heads and stopping their mouths for evermore from making jokes about our cooking class End of chapter eleven